0: All right, as you heard, we are the armchair superheroes. I am Pat Lane. Here with me is Taylor Kyles. Taylor, how you doing, my friend? I'm
1: doing well, man. I'm healthy. I'm happy. Excited about the draft class, but I'm more excited because I got to rewatch Iron Man and Iron Man 2, which I personally think is super underrated, but we'll get into that later. But yeah, man, I'm pumped. Let's talk some Marvel, baby.
0: Let's do it. Let's do it. Before... Uh... Before we get started, though, I'd like to address the elephant in the room, or I guess not in the room, theoretically, right? Because he's not <laughs> here. Uh, Wesley is, is no longer on the show. Uh, I jinxed it last week, man. I, we were just talking about how much of a mush I am. I said he's always with us, and he's not, uh, you know, difference of whatever. We still love him. He's still a great guy, but, uh, but he's not going to be on the show anymore. Uh, but with that, we're going to move forward. We're talking about Iron Man. So we are in the MCU. We're doing the MCU chronologically, meaning in the timeline chronologically. So we started with... Captain America, the first Avenger. Then we went to Captain Marvel. Now we're doing Iron Man. Next up is Iron Man 2. So that's what we got. All right. So let's start with Iron Man and uh, and the beginning. Let, let's just talk about the first scene of the movie, the first scene of the MCU. Really, we talk about, you know, in the way the MCU was shot, it's the first scene of the MCU, and it throws you in about, about 15, 20 minutes into the movie, and it's action immediately, right away, Robert Downey Jr. getting caught, realizing that it's his weapons that the bad guys are using to shoot against the Americans and against him as well. And really kind of an unbelievable uh, realization for him that really goes to define his character, not just through this movie, but through the entire MCU. And so, obviously, an incredibly important scene. And I love the way they started with this scene.
1: Absolutely. It's actually funny that the first scene in the MCU is probably the one that dates it the most because he makes the MySpace reference, which obviously, I I don't even know if (laughs) MySpace still exists which is pretty funny. And then the phony pulls out, it's like a flip phone kind of, and you're just like, wow, yeah, no, this was definitely 2008. But uh, in terms of the character, I mean, everything is spot on. And what I love about this movie is the fact that it actually kind of, it didn't screw them, but it was something they had to kind of get through was it got put together pretty quickly. Like they didn't have an actual script. A lot of it was improvisation and really just Robert Downey Jr. Um, Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, um, Big Lebowski, I don't know why I just forgot his name. I love him as an actor too, but I'll figure it out at some point. But all those guys are really just, like, working off chemistry and just firing off each other. Robert Downey Jr., like, his line in the tank, there's deleted scenes where you see – or there's scenes, if you look at the uh, bonuses for Iron Man, where you can kind of see all the different iterations of him basically going over that whole talk in the tank. And you see his charisma. You see he's a little bit of an asshole. You see that he's kind of an alcoholic. They don't really – ever really poke that in the MCU. The fact that Tony Stark is a raging alcoholic in the comics, they kind of hint to it every now and then, but they took a lot of that out because, you know, it was still pretty early on. I don't think they were confident enough that they could go that deep into a superhero movie. Um, But like you said, man, the establishing shock, the establishing scene was fantastic. You really get a sense of what this guy's going through, even though they do have the throwback and you don't really get back to him being in Afghanistan until a while later, a uh, great scene to show you that this guy started off as someone who was selfish, charismatic. Yes, but also, you know, didn't really care about what his destructive weapons and power were doing to other people and, you know, had plenty of issues that it was going to take him about a decade to overcome.
0: Right No, it's t- it's totally true. And, you know, just going back, then it obviously the movie starts again and then you see him and and, and some of those scenes with him, right, where he uh, he takes the reporter home and You know, leaves her in the morning and isn't there, and then takes, you know, I love Pepper's line where she's like, you know, I even take out the trash for him. And it's like, oh, it's just great, you know? I remember Um, being 12
1: years old and laughing at that joke. Like
0: in the theater, (laughs) I
1: remember that joke. I thought it was hilarious.
0: Right. And that's, you know, but it does a great job of setting him up. And of course, she comes back later in the movie um, and she's there at the end as well. And so, and so she does, um, you know, and so she does kind of, she does have those, uh, different roles. I guess she's a bit character really only in this movie though. I don't think she, I'm trying to think if she came back in Iron Man the two reporter? for briefly. Yeah. I think she was. She oh yeah. She is in, in Iron Man two as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then she's in like an Ant-Man little, like one of the side MCU things where they kind of have things to fill in the gap. They had one where oh, I think Ant-Man gets arrested and she's like interviewing him. So she comes up about like two or three other times in the uh, okay. franchise. And we'll get to it later, but I think it's when, Oh, it's when they're in the, when they're um in Italy, I think, at the race or whatever, and then she uh is talking to him and hammers trying to, you know, with slide Hammer, in yep. there and she yep. just rejects him. Yep, that's it.
0: Yes, exactly. Right. So uh, you know, and the Jericho presentation man is is just I mean, it's fantastic. You know, that's one of those scenes right epic. where he puts his arms up and the it's just so epic, you know, and uh and, and shows the type of salesman he is, right? And and what mm-hmm. he can do, right? And then of course it leads into that scene, which they don't even have to show you because which is great. Like that's, you know, I think they do a good job with that because you know, what's coming, you know, what leads to it and they don't even have to yep. show you that part again, but it's really interesting how they, how they kind of use that. And of course that sets everything up. And then you find out that uh, Jeff Bridges is working with those guys and, and, uh, Jeff Bridges, that's it, <laughs> and, you know, and his name in the movie, his name in the movie is ridiculous. Uh, Obadiah, Obadiah, Stane Stane. is just like Dang.
1: It's bad it's ass. Like
0: foolish, you know, but, but, uh, but it's interesting, you know, and I'll tell you what, the the guy in the cave, I was con- the first time I watched it. I was completely convinced that he was a bad guy. Completely convinced that he was a bad guy, because I just the figured like this knew guy, he wasn't in the, with you the know, comics, like but
1: yeah,
0: right, yep. right. Yep. See, I hadn't read the comics, and so I'm thinking like this guy's got to be a bad guy. He's got to be in there. They want him to say something, and all of a sudden he's going to turn on him, you know. And of course he didn't. And he comes up. At the beginning of Iron Man three he's at he's at the conference that he's at that guy Pierce is at at the beginning of Iron Man Three you just see him for a second he doesn't even say anything you just see him um but it's a you yeah. know it's a good little a good little homage to him you know at the beginning of Iron Man three but and then he says, you know I'll see them when I leave here about, talking about his family, and of course you find out later his family's dead which so, oh, yeah. so that tells you you know and he says it anyways, but it tells you all along that like his he knew he was gonna die he wasn't getting out of it you know and he's okay with that. Yep. And I thought that that was. And he was kind you know, of like a, really he was like an Erskine
1: and... figure, where he's the guy who helps the superhero kind of figure out where his heart's at and where his right. responsibilities and values really should be. He's their kind of north star, and you know their death kind of leads to these people understanding that there's you know a greater calling for them, and I guess really taking up the mantle as inspiration because they want to prove these mentorship figures they want to prove them right and prove that they can be more than whatever society and everybody else told them they were before they were in their predicaments. So, uh, yeah, I, I love Yensid. Like I said, I knew that he was a good guy because of the comics, but, uh, you know, you never know what the MCU is going to do. So I wasn't totally sure, but he was such a lovable yeah. character. He was, I think he's one of the characters that Marvel has done the best at in terms of giving them a lot of depth without giving them a lot of scenes. Like Yensid, when he yes. died again, I remember being 12 years old sitting in the theater being legitimately upset about it. And I'm not, you know, oh, I didn't yeah. know much about movies back then. I was just watching for the explosions and everything, but I was really choked up because he's a fantastic character. You give him that layer of, you know, he's not going to really be pushed around by Tony or anything like that because this is his environment. He knows the rules. So they give him an element of power, but they also make him someone that's compassionate and someone that you can relate to because you know that you know, he's obviously a prisoner too. So it's a very interesting situation, but yeah, man, I love Jensen. It was cool. It was really cool seeing him at Iron Man three for like a brief second. Like you said, being like, yeah. Oh, that's the conference that they talked about in the cave.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and he does, he says it to Tony, he says, you know, this is going to be your legacy, right? Do you want, are you going to let this be your legacy? And, and so, and of course, like you said, that's kind of pushes him. And then, you know, then he gets out of the cave, which is the dope scene, you know, with him with everything and he flies out and everything. It's, it's fantastic, you know, and he gets home. And he's like, I want a cheeseburger. And, you know, of course, right? Do you know the story behind that? I do not know the story behind that.
1: Okay, so strap in. That was actually something that happened to Robert Downey Jr. in real life. He obviously, as everyone knows, he had a very charred past, you know, with drugs, alcohol, just, you know, he was doing everything under the sun, really wasn't in a great place. Apparently, there was a day where he went to get Burger King – And then I think he smelled the food or took a bite or something and realized like he was drugged out and it snapped him back. And he was like, this is disgusting. What am I doing with my life? And then went through all his drugs and everything like heroin and all this crazy stuff. He threw all his drugs off a bridge and was sober from that day on. So that was partially a joke that Burger King is the reason, literally the reason that he's sober, the reason he's Iron Man. It changed his entire life. Because the smell slash possibly the taste of Burger King was so offensive. Wowza!
0: Okay. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what—that's one hell of an endorsement for Burger King, <laughs> right? <laughs> but hey, I mean, you know. But it's it—you know—it's one of those things, though, right? When he says it, and so it's crazy that I didn't even know that. That—that's crazy that it has that connection. But for me, you—you you hear that word and for me when he says cheeseburgers all i can think about is the end of end game right when when yep. his daughter then says you know what do you want to eat and she goes a cheeseburger and he's like oh your dad loves cheeseburgers too okay like i just like oh so every time he says it and then seeing him with the cheeseburger and it and it kind of is a recurring thing for him you know um He's always kind of doing something and tinkering and stuff and, and, you know, eating something, it seems like, when he's figuring something out, you know? Um,
1: Ooh, another Easter egg. But, yeah, that that, – When they were doing Avengers, that's actually something that Robert Downey Jr. is known for, especially in the Marvel movies.
0: He hides food
1: around the set so that he can basically just snack in between takes. Like in Age of Ultron when he – or like in Avengers when he offers cat blueberries. Those were actually like blueberries that he brought on the set and just decided he wanted to eat while filming. Like that is what a legend he is. The dude just puts food wherever he wants. And Something is like, yeah, I'm going to snack while doing my job. Like what a bad I'm sorry to keep cutting you off. There's just so many good. little. Cool no dude, that's fantastic. Robert Downey Jr. That's, stuff.
0: <laughs> right. And that's the type of stuff that, that we're trying to do here is give you some of that context where it's like, Oh my God, like I never knew that story, you know? So it's, uh, it's funny to, to see that stuff, you know? And then you go through, like, I just, going through and watching the movie and look it's not is it the best of the of the mcu no it is not i think that the mirror villain is a villain is a thing that they've had issues with it, really in every single solo movie they've had issues with the mirror villain and obviously it starts mm-hmm. here you know uh with with jeff bridges but it's you know it at the same time there's a lot of good there's a lot of good in it and i think that yes Yep. You know the the final fight scene. I don't love. It's okay. It's fine. It's not great, but it's good. You know, like the you know the 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 thing blows up right, and it throws right. Tony away, who doesn't even have a helmet on, but it kills yeah. Obadiah, and you're like, well, wait a second, like how come he's killed by it, but Tony isn't? So it's like, you know, it's stuff like that. But look, you know, it's a it's at the end of the day, it's a superhero movie, right? Like you can't look right. That far into some of those things. But then again, we do look really far into some things. And so it's like, hey, you know, like you got to take the go with the bad. and There is some suspension of disbelief where you have to just kind of say, hey, look, like this is the way things happen. Okay, it looks like he's almost dead. And then miraculously, he isn't dead. Like, that's what happens, you know, until he really is dead. You know, like that's that's the way it goes. And so, you know, it just it is what it is, you know.
1: And this movie set the tone for the entire MCU, like a lot of the things that does well a lot of the things that does poorly. That's pretty much what you saw throughout phase one for a lot of phase two before they really started to get more experimental and try to do different things and experiment in other genres a little more heavily. Obviously they did like Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man are three completely different movies. But in terms of really giving the stories a little more depth than just the main character and the supporting cast of people that are gonna keep showing up. But Iron Man, I give a pass for one because it was the first one. So obviously they were going off A completely brand new script and also like i said earlier the fact that this movie really was rushed they didn't have the script a lot of it was kind of like literally they would go day by day jeff bridges uh uh robert downey jr gwyneth paltrow and um oh my god happy hogan what's how why am i doing this why am i doing this what's john uh, John favreau Favreau. there john favreau they would literally meet in a trailer and be like all right this is how these lines are going to go Usually in a movie, you know, you have the the table reads and you have everybody going through all the scripts at the same time. This was a movie that literally day by day was changing. So when you consider what they did, and I think, like I said, how it set the tone, the best Marvel movies right. are the ones with the most heart. Like if the villain sucks, if the fight sucks, you forgive it as long as you can empathize with the character and fall in love with him. This movie obviously did it better than arguably any Marvel movie since. Because right. they focused so much on Tony Stark. And they understood, look, if we're going to kind of throw this thing together, the main character has to work. Like, and they, they knew that. This was the start of their whole cinematic universe. Actually, fun mm-hmm. fact, if this movie didn't work out, Marvel Studios would have gone bankrupt. They took out, like, it's like uh, I think almost a billion dollar loan. And not Maybe not that much, but it was hundreds of millions of dollars from the bank to finance the movie because they didn't have any money to actually do it. So if the movie flopped, they would have been screwed. There would be no MCU, not just because people wouldn't have cared, but because they would have gone bankrupt and they would have had to sell themselves off like they did back in the eighties or nineties or whatever. So, I mean, just understanding that they have this character that you love so much and you can understand there's layers to him. And even though he has his problems and they don't all go away, he's someone that honestly wants to be better, wants to make a difference. And, And yeah, I mean, considering the circumstances they were dealing with it's kind of hard to fault this movie for what it does wrong and i mean the sound design and the costume especially like this is that movie is the best the iron man suit has ever looked and i don't think like it, it, when you look at infinity war and the nanotech suit that looks way more fake than the actual first iron man suit because of how many practical effects that john favreau uses in his movies that's a big thing right. he does with like the jungle book and you know when he's he's been working on uh bringing these disney movies to life like the lion king as well But because of his infusion of practical effects and things like that, you rewatch this movie It's from 2008. And there are times where you really can't totally tell what's fake and what's not. Like when he goes to Galmira where he enters town, when the reporter tells him about it at the party, he flies over and doesn't say anything until the very end after he just slaughters everyone, gets the main guy throws him to the townspeople and says, he's all yours. And it sends chills. It's the only thing he says. And the only other thing you can hear really is the suit. You hear the, all the sound design and like the way that everything's roaring and the gears are firing and it's, Oh my God. Like that scene is just so right. good. The sound is fantastic. The way it's directed. Oh, I love, I can go on longer. We need to move on Iron and, man too, But I love that movie, man. It's fantastic. I know.
0: And well, the, and the thing is, look, right. Is that I agree with you. I mean, and that's, and I think look Downey Jr. I mean, they've changed the character in the comics to look like Downey Jr. He is Iron Man yep. at this point. Right. So like, and so, so he absolutely crushed it, knocked out of the park, right, and I agree with you with the suit. now, the hard thing is right, and this is one of the things that you look at, and one of the things i we're gonna talk about uh in the next show with Iron man too, but like the, although the suit is great and you're right about the suit looking great and everything else, the process to get it on and off is incredibly clunky and and which makes sense yeah. because he's just starting right, and he's just started building mm-hmm. it and everything else but But it's like, yeah. Well, if he's not at home and he's out somewhere, like, why wouldn't someone just kill him? Like, once they and obviously this movie, they don't know he's Iron Man, and so you know that that's not relevant. But like, but if he doesn't have the suit with him at all times, he is a walking target for basically anybody that wants to, you know that that wants to try to take over, you know, the U.S. or whatever. Right? Like, he's in your line of defense and he's creating peace and everything. But you know, can he really do that? And so. And so, of course, they had to upgrade that and make it so that he can kind of transform into Iron Man whenever he wants and not just at his house. Right. But at the same time, mm-hmm. like you're right, like the suit is so cool. The, the setup is so cool. Him getting into it and then him getting out of it, you know, Pepper sees him and he's like, let's face it, this isn't the worst you've got me doing. Like, you know, it's just yep. like there's, <laughs> there's so many great scenes, you know, and, and and you're right about it. Like the suit looks fantastic. And, and the whole I do love the sounds of it because you don't get that. Really, through any of the other movies, as you go, and you get it a little in Iron Man too. But like, but once you get to like Infinity War and Endgame, you don't hear any of that stuff because he's already worked through all the kinks and everything else, you know. So it's it's just interesting. Some of the things for me, I think the operation scene with Pepper is hysterical. Like, I love that scene when she's taking the thing out of his chest, and he's like, Do "Just don't touch the No, see, you have the see. This, this is it. I just set you up, oh, and yeah. then you bring in the Easter eggs. You know,
1: it's great. I got it. I love this. So what they did was, that was another thing where they used practical effects. They basically put a fake chest on top of Robert Downey Jr. that had the hole in it. It was prosthetic. So there was just no space that they actually had you know, the arc reactor hole in there. And they just had the bright light on top of it. So it was so bright, you couldn't see the edges of where the makeup kind of turned from the prosthetic to Tony. And then they put it at an angle where it looked like, pepper was actually going in deeper than she was so that was fully practical effects none of it was cgi
0: that is so cool and that's another thing Mm. that's like that's really cool you know and then he's like touch don't touch the sides like operation she's like what's that (laughs) like it's like she somehow hadn't played operation in her whole damn life you know so it's just there's some really cool scenes and the the relationship with the robots and you get this more as you go along obviously and then vision is one of his robots but like the fact that he doesn't really have any real friends right and he says that to pepper at one point that you know he's she's all he has you know but yep. but the relationship with him between him and his robots you know specifically the robot that keeps trying to put him out when he when he's not on fire but like <laughs> you know the relationship that he has with them and he's giving them one liners he's making fun of them and he's giving them crap and he's doing as if they're real people and i think that that's one of the things that's interesting about him is he treats his technology like that because he feels like they are real and they are helping him. Uh, and he's, you know, they're not just, it's not just him doing it. It's also them doing it, which I think is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And and it's just a really dynamic, really cool dynamic with him that you see kind of all the way through. He's always talking to Jarvis and, and, um, and, uh, what's the, what's the woman's name? Uh, uh, Oh, um, on
1: Friday, Friday. Friday,
0: right? So he's always talking to Jarvis and Friday about, you know, about how things work and, okay, do this and find that. And, you know, it's just, it's all, it's very interesting the relationship that he has between him and, and the robots. And I think that's fascinating. And they do a great job setting it up in this one.
1: Definitely. That's actually something I never really thought about, but that is very cool. And it shows how, kind of closed off he is from real people and how his most intimate relationships and the people that he trusts the most outside of roadie and uh pepper at the beginning are his robots that's actually that's, right. that's a good uh, uh good call
0: yeah no i you know and then and then this movie too like you see you see the obsession that he has and i think really his biggest obsession is protecting people from mistakes that he's made Writing the wrongs mm-hmm. that he has done, you know, and this this is obviously a, a common theme throughout all the movies. Right. Obviously, the first I am in Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, even, you know, clearly Ultron. Right. This is where Ultron comes from. But all these movies are about him. You know, and even when you get into Spider-Man Far From Home and all this stuff, he is the one that has caused all these problems. His mistakes from when he was younger and when he wasn't thinking about people and when he was being selfish, he's trying to right those wrongs. And he becomes obsessed with it, right? And then obviously ends up, yep. ends up making Ultron because of that. And so obviously it leads into that whole thing, which of course leads into Civil War, which, you know, you know whole thing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's a, a longer term story, but it starts in the very first movie, the MCU. And one of the things they do a great job about in, in the MCU, and they do it with Cap, we talked about it with Cap as well, the characters are consistent. They're consistent characters all the way through. So the things that drive him in the first Iron Man are still the things that drive him in Avengers Endgame. Like, it's what he does. It's who he is. He's a consistent character. It's not like, oh, we're going we're gonna to do a complete shift in, the, in his thinking. It's just not like we're not doing that. Like, it, he, you know, they build a storyline they stick with it the whole way through. And I think they do a great job of starting it in Iron Man and then staying true to it throughout the entire MCU.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where um, the MCU casting director, her name is Sarah Finn, she is probably the best in Hollywood or in the world at what she does. Because think of who they cast for their starting through. Robert Downey Jr. is someone who had a checkered past, who was in a position where he was a bachelor, playboy, whatever, You know, that hot rod kind of guy that people didn't really want to touch after a while because he's as as charismatic as he was and as much as success as he had, he was also someone who was seen as, you know, not being the best person. And now he's turned that around and now he's one of the most recognizable faces on the planet and someone that every single kid in the world will recognize if they see his picture. Then you look at Chris Evans, Chris Evans is captain America. People say it all the time. Like he's, he's political. He's very much about what's right and what's wrong. He voices his opinion. He doesn't back down. He's, you know, he's someone who will stand up for himself even though he isn't. He's still a soft spoken guy. He's not going to let you push him around. It is insane how they literally cast these characters. And then over the years, I think what helped with that consistency is because these characters, they were inhabiting characters that were so much like them. Obviously, Chris Hemsworth was kind of different. He had the charisma and the body, but then they started to incorporate his humor more after they got away from the more Shakespearean parts of Thor. But these right. people started understanding their own characters so well it made it way easier when they were going off, you know, years down the road and all these directors changed because they were like, yeah, I I don't really think Tony would do that. Or I, I think Cap would do this because they know better than, you know, Chris Evans knew Captain America better than the Russo's because he'd already been in Captain right. America twice already. Exactly. So You know, was it twice or no, three times? No. Yeah. It was Avengers, Captain America and the age of Ultron. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it's really cool to see their growth because these actors care so much about the characters Marvel obviously cares so much about their characters and you know it's easily what what makes people want to go and spend mo- money to see these movies and obsess over them and talk about them is the depth and the quality of the characters that they produce you know when they have somebody that they really know they need to invest in
0: Right. No, I agree 100%. Agree 100%. And, and uh wh- I I guess we'll I guess we'll finish up one of the things um for me, you know, and again, it's an MCU thing, right, but far from home obviously it's people that have all been hurt by stark right and you see the mm-hmm. one guy in this iron man movie right now jake johan hall's like you know you don't see him you don't see half of the guys but you do see the the guy from far from home who does all this tech um and yep. you know obadiah is in his face and he's like you know tony stark did this in a cave and he's like well i'm not tony stark like i don't know what you want me to do you know and another think, right there too right and again like it's you start looking at it and you say hey look The the MCU doesn't have to do that, right? They could have made up some other character, but they brought him back specifically for that because he was in Iron Man. He was in the first Iron Man and they bring him back. It was a throwaway line. He was a throwaway character. But here he is back in, in another movie. And again, you don't remember him, right? When I saw him on screen, when I'm watching Far From Home, I'm like, Oh, OK. All right. And then I went back and watched Iron Man. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's the same guy. Like it's the same you know, guy. Like, <laughs> it, it's crazy. And so that's the type of stuff where they don't necessarily have to do it, but they do it because of the continuity and consistency. And they really take pride in that. And so I think it's something that that deserves to be mentioned. And in the ending of this movie. The very end, you know, the two last scenes, obviously, you know, the first scene where he's up at the press conference is just is so good. Right. And he starts talking about, you know, I'm not the superhero type and this and that and then he's like the truth is and he looks at the cards he's like the truth is I am Iron Man and it just cuts to black and Iron Man's you know Sabbath starts playing and it's like oh it's unbelievable it's so good you know and then the the last scene with with uh well, I guess the 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 end credit scene with uh, Samuel L. Jackson Nick Fury and he says to him he goes you think you think you're the only superhero out goes you're part of a bigger universe now and that's a, a, a line that, to me, didn't really hold a ton of weight when I saw it for the first time. But now, knowing what they've built off of it and knowing what they were planning to build off of it, obviously, is a line that has a lot of weight behind it. Because he's not just oh, yeah. saying, you're part of this universe. It's like, this is the, we are building a universe, and you're part of it. You know? And it's just, it's fascinating. I you know?
1: was geeked out, man. I was freaking out. When he <laughs> said Avengers, I was like, wait, is that Nick Fury? Man, I, I, I remember I, like, hit my mom. I was like, Mom, it's the Avengers. And she's like, what the hell are you <laughs> talking about? Uh, but oh, I didn't want to cut you off because you were on a roll. But, dude, we got more Easter eggs. So the yo, guy yet. who Obadiah is saying, yo, that, do you know who that is? No. That is the kid from a Christmas story. That's Ralphie, all grown up. What? I'm serious. Look at his eyes, and you'll immediately be able to tell. He's got those big, baby oh blues. I think he's, like, friends with John Favreau or something like that. I think they worked on a movie before. Uh, he had some connection with somebody who made the movie. But that kid, that guy who just yelled at, is Ralphie from A Christmas Story.
0: That is crazy.
1: Yep. And then, so what else? There's other ones. Uh, Tony Stark, the I Am Iron Man line, was actually improvised on the day. The thing that was on that card did not say I am Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. just decided he was going to do it, and that decision, Kevin Feige was like, that's amazing, yes, we're doing it, that led to everybody in the MCU basically giving up super uh, secret identities, because it made Feige realize that it was kind of an annoying thing to have to deal with, where your right. characters, and it's a redundant trope that honestly, like, I get sick of when I have to see a character, like, constantly, unless it's something unique, You know, it gets old seeing someone constantly just lie to everyone they love. And then it's like, oh, I don't trust you because you're not dependable. Yeah, like Clark Kent, you see with him. You see it with Kobe Maguire in all his movies, except for like Spider Man 3, where, you know, everybody just shits on him because he's never around. And it's like, oh, no, but I'm saving lives. I want to be. Um, So again, Robert Downey Jr. with a massive impact on the MCU, just deciding on the day that he was going to say what he wanted and it completely shifting uh, the philosophy that they had. And then the Nick Fury line actually. Oh, sorry. Go on, go on.
0: Go ahead. No, go go ahead, go ahead. Say the Nick Fury thing and then I want want to talk about that, about that. uh, I am Iron Man line. So the Nick Fury,
1: that scene where he says, you know, he proposes the Avengers initiative. He actually was supposed to say something like there was a deleted scene because they were going to include the X-Men and Spider-Man, but they didn't have the rights from Fox or Sony in time to use it in the movie. So they had to take it out. But his original line was something like, "As if mutants, uh, assorted like gods and wall crawlers weren't enough." Like he basically directly talks about X Men and Spider Man,
0: like That's while crazy. he's looking
1: out the window and then turns around. So you could see that they were planning on making this huge from way early on. That's just a scene that most people didn't know about until like half a decade, a decade later. And uh, one more Easter egg that uh, we forgot to throw in there was. They actually reference War Machine in the first movie when Terrence Howard looks at the silver suit and goes right. next time, yep. baby. Because in the next one, Don Cheadle takes that suit and pimps it out and turns into War Machine again. I remember like yes. uh, hitting my mom, being like, "Mom, he's gonna be War Machine," and she just smiles <laughs> like, you know, like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> right. But um, yeah, great. that movie was it was crazy how much they set up, and the success of that movie obviously gave them the platform to just completely blow the whole thing up and create the MCU.
0: Right, I agree, and and we'll talk about we'll talk about the Terrence Howard slash Don Cheadle thing uh, during Iron Man Two. I think it's more relevant then, and so we'll talk about it then. Um, but imagine, just I just want to go back to that to that Iron Iron Man thing, and, and it's so fascinating that Downey Junior. is the one that came up with that line on the spot that it wasn't designed for that. Imagine what the MC would be like if that hadn't happened. Uh, imagine what Iron yep. Man Two looks. I mean, the entire. Plotline line of iron man 2 exists and you can debate whether it's a good movie or not but the entire plot line of iron man 2 exists because everyone knows he is iron man if don't no, if no one knows iron man then what the heck point is it you know so and that so, wasn't a thing you, in the you know, comics
1: either because in the comics he iron man was his like his bodyguard everybody knew tony stark and everything he was basically batman and then iron man was that guy who'd always come around to save him because he hired him so in the comics, right. people didn't know that he was Iron Man. I, I think until the comic book Civil War storyline, where they got rid that of secret identities. But again, that was that wasn't like a, that wasn't just some small move the way it seems now. That was a very big decision to do to completely change the direction of the character.
0: Right, well, and you you look at it too. I mean, they even reference the bodyguard thing, you know, in Iron yep. Man when they talk about you know you expect us to, to believe it's just your bodyguard that's up there, you know. So uh, really, really kind of fascinating stuff, you know. And and you think about how much that one move by him changed the course, And, you know, you think about like, and there's a million things that happen, but like when you think about things that, that changes the course of what happened, right. And whether one person gets a role or another person doesn't, and you know what it looks like here and there yeah. and whatnot. And it's like, uh, you know, Will Smith turned down the matrix. Like, what is that? What does that movie look yep. like? If, if it's Will Smith instead of Keanu Reeves. Right. And so you wonder, like you wonder stuff like that, but then you also think about stuff like that line with Downey Jr. Well, what if he doesn't give that line? What if, it is what if he does stay, you know, as a secret identity and he doesn't come out as Iron Man in that first movie? And again, it's the third movie in this set, but it's the first movie in, in real life when we're talking about it. And so people bought into it because that ending was so dope. And of course, they bring it back a million times, including at the end of Endgame with basically his, I think it's his last line in the entire MCU. And so, you know, you just, well, I mean, not counting, of course, the, the post mortem uh, thing that he gives, but, yep. you know, think about how important that line was. And it wasn't even in the original script. That's just him riffing off of something and and them thinking it was a great idea. So really kind of unbelievable stuff. And again, it goes back to casting, you know?
1: Yep. And then we actually forgot one more Easter egg. This is actually a pretty important one. They set up S.H.I.E.L.D. in the movie,
0: which was huge,
1: obviously. That was was one thing that, again, another Captain Marvel uh, screw-up, when they call it S.H.I.E.L.D., it wasn't actually called S.H.I.E.L.D. yet in the movies because Clark Gregg is always like, I'm with the Strategic Homeland Intervention right. in the Levistic's Division or whatever. But right, he keeps right. talking about it, and then eventually he's like, just call it S.H.I.E.L.D. And the name S.H.I.E.L.D. in the comic books was actually changed like three or four times. And the original emblem, obviously we know the one that's like metal with the cool wings, but originally it was like a yellow crest with a black uh, bird or eagle or whatever on it. And that symbol is actually somewhere in the movie. I forget what scene it is, but they reference S.H.I.E.L.D. And because Clark mm. Gregg, who plays Agent Coulson, was so charismatic and everyone loved him so much. He was only supposed to be in that one movie and they were like, wait, he's amazing. That was what got him the job to end up in Thor again. He shows up and has a decent role in that and then come back in the Avengers and then Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. if you watch that show. So that's also pretty cool that, you know, you talk about charisma carrying a franchise or, you know, uh, actors changing the course of the MCU. Cort Gregg wasn't even supposed to be in the movie past Iron Man and he got his way into a few more movies and an entire TV series. So he's definitely deserves some credit. I think it's easy to forget about Coulson, you know, since he hasn't been in the movies in forever. But he was an important character early on in the MCU and was kind of like the the audience's foot in this world um, of all these gods and, you know, geniuses.
0: Right, and even Nick Fury, right? He's like, he's a way lesser version of Nick Fury. And so, you know, Fury's uh, a part of S.H.I.E.L.D., of course, but, you know, you can relate way more to Coulson than you can to Nick Fury, you know? So... Uh, so he's definitely, you know, definitely kind of our view into it. I agree with you. So I'm, I was happy they brought him back for, uh, for Captain Marvel. So, so, all right. I, I think that does it for Iron Man. Um, that does it for the first Iron Man. We're going to be back, uh, in a few days with Iron Man two, and then we're going to continue on from there as well. Thanks for listening guys. And hope you're all staying safe out there. And, uh, and Hey, we'll just, we'll just keep watching and we'll keep talking here. And and hopefully we'll have some interaction from you guys. If there's something else you want us to stay talk about, or, Bring up, or maybe even do a different segment on here, let us know, and uh you know we'll we'll add some things in there. people want to hear different things, but for right now, we're just reviewing these and and trying to give you as many Easter eggs as we can. Taylor, I love the fact you got all these you got all these Easter eggs and all these random facts and stuff, I love it, so it's it's great, and I hope people I can't do like math it too. but
1: I know my m c u
0: you got me for the math, so don't worry about it, you know so. that's right all right guys we'll we'll talk to you soon.